0: So, today we're talking about all things to all people. And Paul, this is actually a pretty strange passage from Paul because he's just kind of throwing it out there that he is going to adjust his life according to whoever he runs into along the way. Um, And it's also Palm Sunday, so. Probably a good idea that I may at least make a slight connection between what we're talking about here and Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry. And I think the triumphal entry might just capture as clearly as possible Jesus being all things to all people because he comes in riding on a donkey, which was really a, a rather humble thing, but he's receiving praises like he's the king, right? And he's on his way. I always think you've got to go triumphal entry with, with at least air quotes because. He's on his way to his triumph, which is the cross, but that's also his death. That's also the most tragic moment in history. And so this whole dynamic of Jesus coming as conquering king, but also suffering servant, shows his incredible ability to be all things to all people, to be the lion as well as the lamb, um, to be our savior and to be our Lord. Uh, Today is also the uh, sixth in the series on um, small groups about spiritual gifts. And today we're going to be talking about the gift of evangelism, and I want to say that just like with almost all the other gifts that I talked about, um, evangelism is a gift that some people have in spades. They have it naturally. It's like there's the supernatural power of ability to connect with people and have conversations about Jesus. But it's also, of course, a role that all of us are called to play. And especially as we um, lean into what does it mean to be a missional community, as we lean into that reality, as we learn missional practices, all of us need to pay attention to well. What is my um, evangelistic gift? What is my evangelistic calling? And how do I learn about that and lean into that? So, let me begin with this question. Did you know that you are free? Our passage starts, thank you, though I am free and belong to no one, says Paul. Galatians 5 verse 1, just to make sure you know, this is a very common uh, New Testament theme. Galatians 5 1 says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And Jesus Himself said in John 8, verse 36, If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So when I ask, do you know that you are free? What I want to lean into there is, is, if we are going to be all things to all people, that needs to actually come out of a sense of our identity in Christ that we have been set free in Christ. right? Because if we're going to be all things to all people because the church tells me to, or Pastor Eric told me to, or my family expects me to, then we're actually going to enslave ourselves, and it's not going to be a healthy interaction with others. You see, when we come to know Jesus when we receive him as our Lord and Savior, what that does to us is it sets us free from all the bindings that are around us because most of us struggle with being slaves to, for example, um, family tradition or even church tradition or expectations of others or lies that we've internalized and believe about ourselves that shape how we live. And so part of our ongoing journey and and part of what's going to help us move forward in our missional activity is to be more and more um, deeply aware that we've been set free in Christ and that the only one who masters us is Jesus and he masters us with his loving, sacrificial life. In other words, he calls us to live in total freedom as people can live fully into what does it mean to be a human being that thrives exactly as God called and created us to be. I was thinking about this, to be honest, a little bit while we were singing, um, is he worthy? Because I think sometimes a song like that it helps us recognize a very powerful truth, and by the way, I'm not arguing against the song; it is as fabulous as Ruth Ann said it is. But when we sing, "Is He Worthy?" somewhere in our mind is probably teaching that, "Well, I'm not worthy to open that scroll," which is also true. But I think we need to keep leaning into the fact, and this is why we're leaning towards Easter, that Jesus is worthy, was worthy, continues to be worthy. He did open that scroll. He did set in motion, all that's going to save us. And at Easter, as we believe in Jesus, we also then become, in Him, worthy. Okay, so you are not worthy on your own. It's basic Christianity. You are worthy in Christ, and you need to live in that moment where you're taking your unworthiness and moving it through Christ into your present reality. Okay, and that maybe sounds complex, and that's probably because it is. We live in that tension at all times that, yes, on my own, I can't do it. Yes, Christ can do it. I live, hopefully, more and more each day in Christ and in that sense of freedom. All right, so let us recognize that in Christ we've been given privilege, opportunity, spiritual gifts, as we're talking about now, um, and the freedom to enter into relationships with other people, not because of any pressure from somebody else, but because of who we are in Christ. I give myself to you. That is a vow. When Ruthann and I got married, we had a uh, conversation with Dr. Burt Pullman, or maybe we had that conversation beforehand, the late Dr. Burt Pullman, um, at that time of Redeemer University, which, by the way, is our offering today. Just get a plug in for that while I'm going. And um, he gave us an outline for how to write your own vows, since we plan to write our own vows. And the one thing I always remember is that he said, don't say, I take you. And then he showed us a cartoon of a caveman, I hope this isn't offensive, with a club in one hand and the hair of his girlfriend in the other. And he was dragging her, I take you. And he had won her, and he's dragging her to the altar. He said, rather, say, I give myself to you. Right? A vow of marriage is an offering of a free human, hopefully somewhat complete human being, offering themselves fully to another person. When we enter into our missional journey, when we enter into an evangelistic conversation, as we're talking about here, when we try to be all things to all people, we do that, as a vow of offering our very self to those other people, Paul says it this way: "I have made myself a slave to everyone. I am free, but I have personally decided to offer myself freely as a slave to everyone to win as many as possible." Right? I often say in wedding um, sermons, "Your job in your relationship as husband and wife is try to outserve each other, right, or outslave each other." To use the language of the passage here, it's the same word in Greek, by the way, slave and servant. Our job in our communities is to try and outserve those who live around us for the purpose, as Paul says here, of winning as many as possible. Incarnational adaptability. These are lines that I stick on the screen to make, you sure, make sure you know that I paid a lot of money for an education so I could use big words once in a while. I will also explain it to you. By the way, I, I'm a, a, a visual person with words. So not with pictures, just with words. And so I'm really excited that these two words have all kinds of A's and I's in them, no E's or U's, and just one O. And if I could take that O out and spell it wrong, I would do that. Most of you will recognize how completely irrelevant that is, but I noticed it, so I told you. Incarnational adaptability looks like this in the passage. Paul says, To the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, same thing. To those not having the law, same thing. To the weak, same thing. Incarnational means if you're standing a bunch, in a bunch of carnations, you'll become a carnation too. Incarnation. Oh, come on, it's at least so much money. Thank you. Carnal actually means human or fleshly, right? So incarnational means in the flesh. We're going to look in the next um, slide about Jesus coming in the flesh. Incarnational adaptability is about becoming um, embodied like those with whom you live. All things, to all people, is about us entering into relationships with the people around us and becoming like them among them. All right, let's go to Jesus' version of that. Jesus' incarnational purpose was this, John 1, 14. The Word became flesh, that's incarnation exactly. Word became flesh, became carnate, and made his dwelling among us. Um, Eugene Peterson's The Message version of this is, the Word became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. And as somebody who's just moved into a neighborhood, right, that, that's very real to me right now, that as you move into a neighborhood, you start to wonder, how do you interact with these people who live around you? How do you connect with them? How do you incarnate? How do you live among them in such a way that you are in their neighborhood, not just, you know, physically, but as part of that community, those relationships, and so on. And as Jesus moved into our neighborhood, we were allowed to see his glory, The glory of the one and only Son, the Son of God, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so I want to suggest to you that Jesus' way of um, being all things to all people was to move into this world, to give up, as uh, Philippians 2 says, he gave up his godly power. He emptied himself of it, is what that passage actually says, Philippians 2. As he emptied himself of his godly power, he humbled himself and became like one of us and started to look like one of us. And so... Um, Jesus' example to us of being all things to all people is Jesus moving in among us and saying, "I am going to try to be as like you as I possibly can, so that we can connect in as deep a possible way." And I don't want to do a spoiler alert, but Good Friday, then He took all of our sin on Himself on that cross, right? And so Jesus' incarnational purpose was to show us grace and truth. He's to show us kindness, but also challenge and as we um, follow Jesus as we become all things to all people as Paul calls us to do what we're called to do is enter into people's lives with grace with love with understanding with a, a sense of, of connection but also with an opportunity to say and this is the truth and this is what probably isn't right and as we lean into this as we walk forward on this journey and we will continue to do this after Easter we um, this is really an ongoing journey of wisdom, wondering exactly what does it mean to balance I need to be gracious and loving and hang on to you and, and, and accept you and, and show you God's love, and truthful, which is challenging and suggesting that maybe there's a better way to live in this world, and all of us, again, need to live in that kind of tension. So, this is Jesus um, and Jesus and his people. Well, Jesus is having dinner... At Levi's house, I believe this is from the Gospel of Mark. I'm going to go with chapter two. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors—hang on—I should start this over. Whenever I say tax collectors, you got to go. Don't actually spit; just make that sound. And when I say sinners, go ooh. Okay, I'll do it with you so that you know you don't feel embarrassed. Well, Jesus was having sinners—was well, <laughs> having dinner at Levi's house. Many tax collectors and sinners, ooh, were eating with him, you're great at this, and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. And when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners, ooh, and the tax collectors, <laughs> they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors <laughs> and sinners? Ooh, You're really good at that, thank you. I trust you're all paying attention at home as well. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor could he have said anything more obvious but the sick? I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And this scene, yeah, nice, I <laughs> missed that one. <laughs> shooting now every time I say sinners for the rest of my journey here. Yeah, no, don't do that. That's really, I'm not even going to pay attention to my sermon if you do that. Jesus had this conversation over and over and over again right this is his ongoing journey and i want to suggest to you that the reason it's in the gospels over and over and over again is probably because it's really important and it's still important today because i think if if you if you grew up in the church you know this truth as an idea as a story and what we want to lean into as we think about being all things to all people is how are we doing on living this out because it's actually really really hard because you know who the you know the Pharisees were and the teachers of the law right They were the good, upstanding members of the church, the synagogue at that time. They were us, right? It's hard when you've been brought into a healthy and whole community not to say, why in the world are those messy, horrible people over there not living a little bit more like us? And when we're all things to all people, what Paul's really calling us to do is be like Jesus. Go actually hang around with the people you're least likely to hang around with who are least like you, Not with other people who already have it together, at least according to your decision about what having it together looks like. Jesus came to the people who actually needed help, healing, um, to be set free. He didn't come to those who were righteous. And I'm pretty sure, again, I I don't think air quotes were a thing when Jesus was around, but I'm pretty sure when he talked about the righteous, he meant the self-righteous, the people who decided for themselves that the way they're going is good enough and at least better than everybody else. He came for those who understood that they're still on this journey, that yes, they aren't worthy by themselves, as I said earlier, but they started to see in this Jesus guy somebody who showed both grace and truth. He showed that he was one who loved them exactly the way they were and yet started to challenge them and move them forward into the next step of what it meant to follow him. That's how Jesus rolled. How about us, who are our people? Well, we have our neighbors, the people who live around us, and I want to suggest to you, um, I might be doing a series on neighboring sometime this spring, yet later this spring, and in neighboring, our ultimate example is the Good Samaritan. Right, and the Good Samaritan, Jesus always came to pick these tough examples. The Good Samaritan was somebody who would have been despised by the very person that he was helping out. And so there's some dynamic in there that calls us into a place of saying, if I think about who lives around me, if I can name some of the people who live around me that I've made a connection with, which of those people is most in need Of my neighboring. Not which of those people is most easy for me to make a connection with. Which of those people is most in need of me to be a good Samaritan to them or allow them to be a good Samaritan to me? Or our classmates. If you go to school, it's been a while for me, but I do remember being in school. And in school, there's those people who you naturally connect with and have lots of fun with. They have similar interests to you. And there's that person who maybe you participate in this pick-on, the person who gets pushed to the side. Jesus' call to be all things to all people, Jesus' way of being with people is to reach out to the very person who's kind of on the edge of the class and needs grace and truth to draw them back in to the community. And I've got to admit that even as I share that concept with you, I can't help but think of actually specific names of people, I won't name them of course, who were in my class growing up who were left on the outside. and I'm pretty sure that I need to confess that I helped them stay on the outside more than I drew them in. right This is the huge calling of Jesus people is to stop doing that, which separates people and leads them out and hurts them and draw them in as all things, to all people. Similar thing with co-workers, Right? It's, um, I can tell you which pastors are really easy for me to get along with my coworkers because those are people who think like me and connect like me and we have a lot of fun together, right? But our calling to be all things to all people is to say, how do I learn to understand someone who's other than me, someone who's different from me, somebody who, who has different um, abilities and strengths and preferences and all those kinds of things, somebody who might even at first blush offend me, how do I become Christ and in a Christ-like relationship with that person? I trust as I'm making this list, you are making a list in your head of people. Well, that's who I need to be all things to. That's somebody I need to reach out to a neighbor. And I'm guessing you've guessed your assignment. Go and do at least one of those in the coming weeks. Start one of those relationships, one of those conversations. And if I haven't pushed it hard enough, try this one. To the liberal, I became a liberal. To the conservative, I became a conservative. I can't tell you which one of those you are, so I just put both of them in there. If you consider yourself a conservative person, What does it look like to go and talk with somebody who has different theological, political, social, and economic views than you do, and not to win the argument about how wrong they are and how right you are, but to embrace them and understand them such that when you repeat back to them what they've said to you, they go, yeah, yeah, that's exactly how I see it. That's hard, right? Oh, and by the way, some of us probably think, well, I'm neither liberal or conservative, I'm nicely in the middle, yeah there's room in the grace of God for you as well. Um, That's probably not true, right? We all think, um, we heard a comedian once, who talked about drivers, and he said, we all think of ourselves as the norm. So when we're driving, if somebody passes me, they're a maniac, right? I can't believe they're going so fast. If someone's driving slower than me, they're a slowpoke, and they should really learn how to drive the proper way, like I do, right? Likewise, with liberal and conservative, right? We all want to say, I'm right here in the middle, people on this side are my conservatives, and this side are my liberals. What does it mean however you're going to label those things, to enter into conversations with people who see life differently than you do in such a way that they feel both grace and truth, right? Where they don't feel judged or pushed away, where it doesn't become anger, but it becomes common conversation of all things to all people. So as I talk about this, I start to wonder are we talked about being a chameleon or maybe an infiltrator, Paul says, I've become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. It's sort of like, sounds like he's saying, wherever you are, just blend in. Just be a chameleon. Don't let anybody notice that you're different. Don't ever tell anybody that you're a Christian. Right? But that seems to kind of miss the truth sides of things. Um, I will admit to you that I do not lead with my occupation when I meet new people. Um, not that it's embarrassing to be a pastor. At least I hope it's not embarrassing to be a pastor. It doesn't really translate well because people have their whole own idea of what a pastor is and often it might not be who I am or what I stand for. And so I first want to slip in, right? So a chameleon is an animal, if you didn't know this, that if you put it up against a plaid or tartan background, it'll explode. Uh, More importantly, chameleon, if you put it on any color, it will start to turn into that color. It's, It's being a chameleon is us entering into a relationship and just being a whole lot like the other person, right? That's, that's missing some integrity. You understand that, right? An infiltrator, similar sort of thing, but this is kind of sneaking it. This is entering into a relationship for the purpose, right, of gaining their trust so that you can later convict them and take them across onto your side. Some people think that's actually what evangelism is, right? We infiltrate a community so that we can somehow convince them and then bring them back onto our side. You'll notice, by the way, that being all things to all people isn't about bringing people into our place. It's about us going out into their place. That's why this is a missional kind of conversation. We are talking about your workplace, your neighborhood, your classroom, your community, your family, right? And if through all of that relationship they become part of this community, That is awesome, but that is not our first and foremost task. The answer to what must I do is not go to church, it's believe in Jesus where you are, as you are, and in all that you do. So if it's not chameleon, and it's not infiltrator, and I'm suggesting those aren't the right terms, what about salt and light? This really, 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 really smart guy named Jesus came up with these words, and I think they're fabulous. Salt has entered into a relationship. You put salt on your meat, it's entered in that relationship fully. It's become all things to that meat. It's entered into that meat and you can't get it back out again. It's preserving that meat and it's flavoring that meat. It's changing that meat, but it's not doing with that in any way that wrecks the integrity of that meat. Okay? You're all really hungry to go home oh, and make a steak right now, aren't you? Light is the same sort of thing. As light enters into a room, it doesn't ruin what's in that room. It actually sheds brilliance. It sheds light itself on what's going on in that room. As we become all things to all people, it's not merely to fit in like a chameleon. It's not for the underhanded purpose of infiltrating so that we can convert. It's about being salt. It's about shaping the lives of those around us. It's about being light. It's about bringing truth in a way that doesn't Undermine what's already going on there, but just shows that Jesus is already on the throne. Because you know, right? We don't bring Jesus into any relationship. We don't bring Jesus anywhere in this world. Jesus is already Lord of this world. I know I'm way ahead of Easter. I'm all the way at ascension. Jesus already sits on that throne. As the one sitting on the throne, he's already ruler of all that takes place in this world. Our job is simply this Did you see that? Let me shed some light on how Jesus is ruling. Did you see that? Let me, let me be salt. Let me bring Jesus' relationship with me into this relationship so that you can be preserved and you can be um, more true to your flavor, that you can be brought out in all that you were meant to be. People of God, we are called to be all things, to all people. And I hope the one thing you at least walk away with today is a sense that there is probably one person that you can name right now who might just need you to be more things to that person in such a way that by all possible means you might bring a little more truth and light and salt and love and the relationship of Jesus into their life. May you take the first step in that opportunity in the upcoming week. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, Thank you for all the stories of your incredible grace. Lord, thank you for the fact that so many of us can talk about the way you came graciously into our lives, the way you showed us your love, the way you sent people who were caring and supportive into our lives. And Lord, we pray that we may take some time to reflect on your goodness to us, your graciousness with us, of your truth for our lives that took what was wrong forgave it, healed it and made us right with you and so we pray Lord Jesus that we may take the goodness you have put into us and we may share it with others even when that is stretched and challenging and we pray Lord Jesus when we become aware of that person with whom we need to take another step in being all things to them in your name that you would again by your grace, empower us, motivate us, inspire us to take that step now. And this we pray in your holy name. Amen.